on, you guys know. Come join me. Come on. Come on. Stop looking at me and get over here. Come on down. I have a question. My question is, who is super excited to be here? Terry on, are you super excited to be here? Come here. I want you to tell everybody why you're excited to be here. So I can be with my family. Now, can you show us what that excitement will do to you? Can you show us how to be super excited? I mean, I like TJ and hop around, so there's no excitement. Show us. Come on, do it, Terion. Come on, Terion. for tonight. This is the excitement we're looking for tonight. Everybody in here should be excited. Are you excited? Yeah. Yes, let's keep that excitement because we're here to be with our family like Terion said and to be with Jesus. And what we hear all the time, let's take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart like Psalm 37 4 tells us. Now let's take that excitement, let's do one more big scream, and then worship the Lord together. One, two, three. Woo! All right, guys, how are you guys doing tonight? Good? I'm so glad you guys came. Today we're going to open up with a, with a song you guys know very well. It's called Deep Cries Out. But before we open up, I want to share a scripture verse with you in John 7, 37 and 38. It said, on the last greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And I know that all of you guys came here because you believe in God. And if you don't believe in God, I want to invite you to just change the way that you think right now change the way that you see God right now. God, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here and that when we receive you, God, you give us rivers of living water, God, and that there's nothing, God, there's no devil, God, there's no scheme, no plan of the enemy, God, that can stop your river from flowing. So I pray that tonight, God, that freedom would break out, Lord God, as we sing on to you, God. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Put your hands together. Yeah. 
begin to just tell Jesus what he means to you, who he is to you. Just begin to give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah to the King of kings, God. Without you, God, I'm nothing. I love you, Lord. You're faithful, God. You're moving in this place tonight, God. We want to follow you, Lord. The deepness of my heart cries out to the deepness in your heart, my Take me a little 
how you feel about us. What do you think about us? What do you say about us? Renew our mind, renew our thoughts, oh God. You've so much love for us, and you have so much love for us. here today, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Before any other word comes out of our mouths tonight, Lord, let us have praise for you first. Let us thank the Lord that we are here today, that he brought us into this building, that he gave us life, that we have a breath because of him. Let us not shun him like the world does. Let us pull him close as we ask him to pull us but what are we doing are we pushing back we need to open our arms and surrender today let's lift our arms and surrender to Jesus today let's lift our arms all across this room to show him we're ready Lord come into our hearts tonight Lord now let's Let's all have a word for him. Let's all shout to him. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Hallelujah Lord. I love you, Jesus. You are the king of all kings. You're the Lord of all lords, Jesus. 
right to us, Lord. We pray tonight. We pray that we are open for you. We are open to hear your words speak into our hearts, Lord. Let us not come here as a habit and something that we check off our list that makes us holy, Lord. But let us come to encounter you and have our hearts changed and transformed in your glorious love, Lord. Do not come here with a false heart. Do not come here that being lukewarm, but come here in order to have the fullness of joy that only the Lord can bring. Hallelujah. Because I know there's a joy that the Lord provides that cannot be stolen, that is tucked away in your heart. Now let's cheer in that joy that the Lord gives us. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. I have your joy in my heart. I am happy because of you. Hallelujah. Nothing can take this from me. Yes, let's all have that today. It cannot be stolen from you. And let us delight in him. Let us delight in him. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray this all in your name. And everybody said, amen. Ooh, who's excited to be here at Elevate? Elevate? What? 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 Que? Que? You gotta say alavate. Elevate. Que? Que? Ah, nobody gets it. It's okay. It's okay. I'm excited to be here. I hope you guys are excited. Why y'all so far from me? It's like everybody here is close and then y'all just like back there. Y'all all the way. Y'all ain't savage, man. We're here for Jesus. Amen. We're here every Friday night at 7 p.m. And here at Elevate, we have a vision. And our vision is loving God and loving people. Who knows what loving God means? Raise your hand. Who here loves God? Raise your hand. Dang, nobody loves. Y'all don't love God? What y'all here for if y'all don't love God, man? Come on. We all about loving God up in this place. All right? And if you love God, then you love people. Who in here loves people? Make some noise. Shamal, do you love people? Why you ain't raising your hand? Why are you clapping instead of raising your hand? Listen to directions. No, I'm just kidding. And then we have a strategy. Our strategy is connect, mentor, and send. So we're going to connect you through our life groups. We got the ambassadors. Oh, that was, that was weak. That was weak. Where, where, where's the ambassadors at? We got the ambassadors. There we go. You got the pregnant lady, the loudest out of all of you. You should be ashamed of yourself. No, I'm just kidding. And then we got the resistance. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but y'all can't beat out the pregnant lady. I'm sorry, guys. And then we're going to mentor you in our 101 and 201. If you're in 101, make some noise. Oh, he's excited about 101. All right. And if you're in 201, make some noise. Oh, come on. Y'all was weaker for 201 than you were for life groups. Come on, y'all. And then we're going to send you out to make disciples that make disciples. For our ultimate goal of 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe that, let me get an amen from everybody. Amen. Amen. Because that includes each and every one of y'all. Now we got something super special coming up February 17th, 7 p.m. Let's fall in love. It's going to be a worship conference for Jesus. If y'all are excited, make some noise. Y'all got to get excited about this stuff. This is great stuff. Like when I was your age, I wish I had a worship conference to fall in love with Jesus. 
because Jesus is the greatest thing ever. And if you want to fall in love with Jesus, come out. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have Stephanie leading worship. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have some cool stuff going on. And then we want to stand to our feet for tithes and offerings. Who knows what a tithe is without looking? Okay. Victor's got it. 10% of your total income. 10% of your total income. Make some noise. He did it with his eyes closed. Like, I, I'll give you a hand for that. He did it with his eyes closed. And who knows what an offering is without looking? Oh, I got Jay. I got Jay back here. Come on, Savage Jay. What's the tithe? Anything you give after your tithe. Ooh, okay. That was pretty savage. He looked down. He was like, hold up. Anything you give. I was like, okay, okay. All right, so now we got an example. What's Joby got at us for us today? I'm kind of scared. What? Oh, my gosh. What is 10% of 150? 150. 150. What's 10% of 150? Who knows? What? What? Xavier, what? Xavier, I heard, I heard Xavier say. $15. Is it, is it $15? Is it, is it, is it $15? Oh, it's $15. Yeah, make some noise. He got her. I was looking at Joe. I was distracted. He has a cup jersey on, so I got distracted at, you know, whatever that thing is. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for this night, Lord. We thank you for the joy that you give us, Lord. I pray that everybody who brings forth their tithe, God, that it will go to blessing your kingdom, God, and ministry supplies, Lord. But most of all, I pray that the message tonight, it will bless each and every person in here, God, that it will touch their hearts, it will touch their souls, God, and they will be changed from this day forward. They will be changed from this moment, and that you would uh, reveal yourself to each and every person in here in your own way, God, the mysteries of you, Jesus. I pray that we would all know, uh, we would all have a relationship and know who you are, Jesus, and it's in your mighty name and we all said amen come forward as you give Elevate, elevate. So apparently, this is like the intro song, I guess. The song I don't like is my intro song, I guess. That's according to Joe B, right? Let's play it one more time. Let's see what you got, dude. Come on, uh, TJ. Get up here, man. Do your thing, bro. Come on. Come on, dude. Let's see what you got, man. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> All right, man. You can do it, man. Elevate. Elevate. What, what? What, what? Come on. That's what I'm talking about, man. 
I am excited to be here. Let's give it up for the sisters right here. Come on, somebody, right? We can give them some love. It's okay, man. All right. I am excited to be here. I was uh, out last week in the hospital. All these little dumb things was going on in my chest and stuff. And um, I'm here, though. I haven't seen Jesus yet uh, in person like that, right? But my time will come, all right? But for now, I'm not dying. Thank God, right? Thank you guys for your prayers. Um, I'm still alive and kicking. Today, I do have a cold, right? As you guys can see, right? I haven't been smoking weed. I'm not backslidden, right? I'm a man of God, you know what I mean? My eyes are a little red, but uh, it's what it is. So if I grab some tissues down here and I pick my nose or something like that, it's a real life issue right here. Like this is life right now for me, okay? So those will be like, man, my pastor's just nasty. This dude's just flicking boogers on youth. He just went another level of anointing. This is not that. It's just a real problem is happening here, okay? So just keep me in prayer as I uh, as we get into this, this sermon today, man. But um, I am excited to be here and, uh, and be um, uh, the participant that God has used, man, to close this sermon series called Do You Believe, All right? And I know we've been going through this now. This would be the fourth uh, part of the series, Do You Believe, starting with uh, Genesis chapter 1 and then ending in Genesis chapter 8. Today we're going to try to tackle four chapters. Um, so I'm going to have to read verse by verse. It's going to take at least about an hour just to do that. Another hour to preach the message, and then the concluding altar is about a half an hour. Two, it's about two and a half hours right now about to happen, right? I am just playing. The sisters that just came in, they're like, we're leaving right now. Go this way, cut out duck and bro, and we're out here. They're not even going to see us. We see you right now. You're on camera, believe it or not. But um, no, it's not going to take that long, but we do have to do four chapters uh, just to end it because they all go together. And... Um, and I'm really excited about this one, not just at the fact that it's like one of those exciting messages like, dude, we got victory, and everybody stands up, and we pull out our make-believe swords, and we're like, ching, ching, ching. It's not one of those messages. I'm excited about this message because the deepness and the realness of this message. This is a message that puts you right in face-to-face -face with God, and it makes you decide what side of the fence are you going to be on, what side of the cross are you going to be on? Or yeah, literally, what side? Are you going to be on like the thief side? Because there was three people that died, that were crucified that day, with G or including Jesus, right? The one on his left was the robber. He was like, you know, Jesus forgets you. If you're somebody, do something. What, what? Try to like tempt Jesus. You know, and the other guy was like, dude, this is Jesus. Lord, forget him. Remember me in your kingdom. And then he got saved. So the thing is like, what side of the cross are you going to be on? The one that just talks that real good game? You know, you, you got like a little silver tongue and you just run all the script. Like, dude, I get away with everything, dude. All I got to do is holler at my OG and be like, Mom, I love you, girl. Here goes some earrings. Don't even worry about it. What about the F? What F? Just here. Take this. Roses, whatever. And you, you kind of like run the script. But there's going to be a time where there is no more running scripts. There's going to be a time where you can no longer fake it till you make it. I remember when I was growing up, BC days before I knew Christ, I was in this, uh, this drug rehab place, um, not because I was like strung out on drugs, even though I was like smoking weed and stuff, but uh, I was in this place because it was like either that or like go down to the juvenile penitentiary place, right? So I said, well, I'll try this out. And they had a saying in there, and the saying was, dude, just fake it till you make it. Just fake it till you make it. How many people heard that saying before? Just fake it till you make it, right? Probably all the people that are probably faking it right now heard the message. Like, dude, I remember that. I accepted that, and I do that. 
No, but the thing is, it was fake it till you make it. The thing is, I, I believe that thing. And I'm like, cool, I'm just going to fake it. Like, dude, I'm drug free. Like, check me out. And I, I remember all, like, the little slogans and every little test we had to do. I aced the test and stuff. And it was like, dude, I got this faking stuff down packed. Until I actually, like, faked it all the way until I actually made it. I graduated three months later back in jail. And it was like, dude, I faked it all the way to the next jail. Like, bam, here I am. Surprise, right? There was no, that, that was not a thing to celebrate. You know what I mean? But the thing was, I deceived myself into thinking that I could fake it until I quote unquote make it. But in reality, I never made it. I was still lost in drugs and gangs and everything else. And some of us here today, we're faking it until we making it. But I come to tell you, the reality is you will never make it like that. You will never make it until you really answer the question, do I truly believe? Do I believe in what the Bible says? And that's what I want to talk about today, going through these four chapters of, uh, of Genesis chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. And um, let's see what God has. Amen? Anybody excited about that? Or you guys are scared? Some of you guys are like, dude, I'm going to be caught today. Mama's going to walk in. She's going to know I'm faking it. I'm getting whooped when I get home. It's not that kind of party. We're not going to whoop you, but... We pray you get saved today, amen, and really, really be real today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for who you are, God. You are a God who is sovereign. You are all-powerful, God. You're a God who has all authority, God, and you delegate, God. You make things happen, God. Lord, you're a God of love, God. You're a God of holiness, who is holy. Everything about you is holy, God. Your character, your everything is holy, God. You're without sin, we thank you, God. We thank you, God Almighty, that you will judge sin one day, just like you did in what we're about to read in your word, God. And that, Lord, we thank you that in you we're made righteous. Father, I pray that today, God, you will speak mightily, Lord God, to myself as well as to everybody in here, God. That we will receive your word with clarity. That we will receive your word, Lord God, just the way you want to give it, God. And that it will not come back void. I pray that you will touch every heart in this place, God. Every heart that has put a mask upon itself, God. To hide to the next person. To every, every tongue, Lord God, that has spoken lies. Knowing, Lord God, that the heart is covered with a mask and it's not really them, Lord God. I pray that today the mass will come off. I pray that today, Lord God, the tongue will be made flesh, God, and will begin to speak truth, God. And not only to other people, God, but to themselves, God. That today they will answer the question, do I believe? And if I do believe, can people see it? Not just hear it, but can people see it? God, I pray that you would have your way today, God. And that, Lord, in my life and the lives represented here, that from this day forward, God, other people will see it. And not just hear it, God, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen and amen. Praise God. Let's give it up for Jesus, right? We can give a clap to Jesus. Some of you guys are, like, truly scared, like, dude, I've been faking it, and now I'm caught. And you guys feel like the lights are on you, but it's not. But it is. It's, like, halfway. <laughs> it's God's lights on you, amen? So we've been, this is our fourth uh, part of the series. The first one, we talked about God's sovereignty, sovereignty meaning all-powerful. And then we talked about in that same part, God's authority and God's love, right? And the question still remains, do you believe in God's all-powerfulness, his sovereignty, his authority, and his love? And if you do believe that, 
than your life. Not what you say. I'm a Christian on Fridays, but you know, Saturday I just do my thing or whatever. I watch porn and you know, I do all this stuff. I, I have sex with my boyfriend and whatever. No. Do you believe really of God's sovereignty, God's authority, and God's love? Because if you did, it would change your life forever. You wouldn't be the same if you recognize that God is all powerful. He is supreme being. We will not do the majority of stuff that we do on a day-to-day basis because we know there's somebody above us that's always watching. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere and sees all things. We will not do the things that we were doing because God sees everything. We would honor him if we truly believed that he was sovereign and that he was authoritative and that he had love. Some of us walk around like we're fatherless. Some of us walk around like nobody loves us. Nobody cares about us. I'm all alone. There's nobody. But if you really believe that God is love and that he loves you, then you will know that that's all you need. You don't need a girlfriend. You don't need a boyfriend. Your mom, your dad might have gave you up for adoption and you're going through DCFS and you're going through the system and all these other things. And you're like, man, nobody cares about me. These people don't care about me. My parents left me. My brother talks, you know, talks nonsense to me. My sister's always messing with me. Nobody cares about me. But if you believe that God is love and that he cares for you and has a plan and a purpose for your life, it would change your life. You will walk around with smiles rather than downcast. You will walk around with joy and peace knowing that I have a heavenly father who loves me, who is love, and love comes from him, real love. And if we knew that, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have or, or, or even have, uh, force ourselves to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend looking for love because we know the one who is love, not the one who's trying to portray love, but the one who is love loves me. And therefore, I need nobody who is less than him. You guys understand what I'm saying? That's if you believe that God is really love. The next one we talked about the week after that, that God is holy. He has no sin in him. And yet the enemy came, according to uh, Genesis chapter 3, the enemy came to deceive uh, Adam and Eve and got them to go against God's holiness. And what happened the moment he did that, the relationship between man and God was separated because now sin stood in the middle of that relationship. And because God is a holy God, he cannot have any part with sin, so he had to step away and be like, you guys need to get out of here now. You have to get out of the Garden of Eden now. You have to to get out of my presence now. I can no longer just come and kick it with you like I used to do because now you are a sinful people. And see, we recognize that God is a holy God. We won't do the things that we're doing as far as sinning, sinning, and more sinning. If anything, we will be living a life, not the fact that you're never going to sin again, but the fact that you begin to sin less. See, that's an identity of a Christian is the fact that we sin less, although we have a sinful nature, which this body always craving sin, which we're going to get into when we get into this message. But if you believe God is holy, then you will be holy just as he is holy because you believe that. The question is, do you believe that? Then the third, the, the third part of this series, we talked about that God desires faith and not works. And yet, if we really believe that God desires that and that was, God's, that was God's position as his character, as his means of salvation, then we would understand, right, that yes, we end up doing works, but it's not from a position that we're trying to gain God's favor or trying to gain God's little, little blessings and all like, No, we're doing it because God said it's only by faith and not by works and we begin to honor God and start serving other people while serving God not because we're trying to gain something but because we are we were giving all things 
So not because we're trying to gain something, but because we were given all things already. Do you guys know that? The Bible says he has given us all blessings. He has given us everything to live godly lives. That is what the word of God says. He's given us everything inside his Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. If we believe that God is that God, the God who has given us everything already, and that all he asks for is faith in, 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 uh, in response to his grace, that that's all he wants. That's what gets us saved. If we believe that, we will stop playing church just like this. We would stop coming to Fridays as though we're doing God a favor. We would now then start coming on Fridays because, God, we owe you something now. Because you gave us all things, we owe you our worship, God. We owe you our adoration. We owe you our lives. We owe you our heart. God, we owe you this same tongue that we run script on everybody else and our teachers. We owe you this tongue, God, to lift your name on high. If we really believe that God gave us all things already, if we really believe this, and the question is, do you believe? And that brings us to now Genesis chapter 5 through 8. And I'm just going to break down these chapters real fast. I'm going to stick with the script, okay? Listen carefully. This is what's going on. Genesis chapter 5, we have the genealogy from Adam to Noah. This is the same genealogy that was used in Luke chapter 3. If you go back and read it, it was the same genealogy that actually led to Jesus Christ himself. Therefore, chapter 5, that genealogy, some of us read the Bible, we get to this point, it's like, dude, skip that, let's go. I know this because I almost skipped it and kept going, okay? I'm the pastor, you know what I mean? But I said, no, I need to read this, it's here for a reason, God, tell me why, and we'll go from there. So he told me why, and he said, this is the first genealogy in the Bible, but it's actually the same genealogy that is used in Luke to bring in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And in that, in that same chapter, they talk about two people. Only two people, although they named several people that lived for hundreds of years, each one, right? But they talked about two people, and I want us to really receive the, 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 the characteristics of these two people. And the first one is Enoch. His father was Jared, right? Enoch walked faithfully with God, that God took him. Enoch literally never died. He took, God was so, so uh, pleased with this dude. He honored this dude so much that amongst from everybody else that was being born and being raised up, Enoch was so faithful to God that God said, you know what? You're so faithful to me. Dude, I just want you to be with me forever. You don't even have to die. Come on with it. Open up the gates of heaven. Let the man in. The man is in heaven right now. Never died. Never taste death. Praise the Lord. One thing, that one attribute of this dude or characteristic, I should say, is the fact that he walked faithfully with God. He walked with God. See, there's something about walking with God or walking with anybody that we have to understand. I cannot walk with you if we're not on the same accord. If we're not on the same page and all that stuff, you're on nonsense and I'm on my own nonsense, walking together is only going to last for so long. I'm telling you. It's just like dancing with somebody. If you're not dancing, you're not going to this beat and both of you are doing the thing, whatever you're doing, you could be I'm not even going to go there, but you could be, you know, do salsa, whatever, right? You could be doing these things, but the moment you hit off key, bam, this person this way, you're over here, and you're like, dude, what happened? That's it. It's over. I don't want to dance no more. You know what I mean? That stuff stops real fast. So the, in order to walk with God, the way uh, Enoch was walking with God, they both had to be of the same mind. God had to honor Enoch. Uh, Enoch had to be pleasing to God in order to walk so close with God side by side to the fact that he said, I'm taking you with me. See, I don't know about you guys, man, but I want to live a life 
that is walking with God so much that it's like I'm with God at all times. I'm with God at all times. Nothing else matters. And see, Paul in the New Testament talked about that in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And then after that, they talk about Noah, who would bring comfort as the, as the seed Jesus would come through. Remember, there was a promise, and it says through, through to Eve, God gave a promise. And he said, through your seed, you will crush the serpent's head. He was talking about Jesus Christ. And through Noah would come the seed or Jesus Christ. Noah had a son named Seth, and it went from there. And then Seth, you know, he also had Cain. Cain went, went another way. Cain actually never repented to God. He said, you know what, God, I don't need you. I'm going this way. I love my sin, and I'm going to go sin in a whole other place. You read the Bible, it talks about Cain going to another place. He walked off, had his own descendants. Those descendants became the children of man. And then in chapter 6, you see that you have God's children, the sons of God, and you have the daughters of, of man or the daughters of human. The daughters of human represent Cain. Some of you guys are lost. You're like, dude, I don't even read the Bible. You should read your Bible. So the genealogy, as we said, was the same one that Luke uses in his that Jesus Christ came through. Basically, what, what, uh, what Moses, the one who wrote this, Moses was trying to tell us, or God trying to tell Moses to tell us that I am working toward the Savior. The Savior who has saved the world. And with that perspective, I want us to put that in the back of our head and remember that as we continue on going, reading the rest of these chapters. Chapter 6, we have the flood. How many know what the flood is? Four people. It's a shame. You guys better start reading your Bibles. Five people. Six. We got some. Okay, there it is. They're all over there. So the thing is, right, the flood, chapter 6, God's people began to intermarry. How many know what intermarry means? Some of you guys are like, I don't even know what marry means. Dude, intermarry, right? You get married to other people, okay? Intermarry is the fact that you started marrying somebody you ain't supposed to be marrying. You're intermarrying with these people you're not supposed to be, right? So God's people began to intermarry with the sinful daughters of humans, and so sin abounded. God then gave mankind 120 years to repent. I'm going to tell you something about God's mercy and his judgment. Judgment comes, and his judgment says, destroy everybody. Mercy then comes and says, wait a minute. Mercy, give them 120 years. And that's when mercy then trumped judgment. But it doesn't mean that never that judgment never comes. It just means that there's a time where mercy will run out. And the judgment then has to take place like we're going to see. And everybody's gone after that. And the question is, how close are you for your mercy to run out? How many years, how many days did God give us? Think about that. Humanity had become wicked, and every inclination or the wanting to do something was evil all the time. Every thought, every action that the mankind had, that a human race had, was always evil all the time. This is what was going on in humanity. Does that sound familiar? How is our nation right now? How is the people today? What do you guys usually see on TV and everything else? What is it? Violence. You guys are, like, scared over here. Like, are you guys with me? All right? Violence, okay? What else you see? Right? She from the hood. She knows, like, dude, raping, violence, guns, shoot, people dying. This is happening. Ohio Park representing. But this is what's going on. Violence, evil. We are living in those days where it's complete evil. People are marching so they can continue to kill babies in the womb. Are you guys with me? They marched by the millions to go on ahead for, to, to kill babies. We are marching for murder. Murder. You know, mur kill the baby in the womb. That's murder. They are marching for, you guys don't believe me? They are marching for this stuff. Murder. Think about that. 
evil inclination, evil thoughts, evil actions all the time. Once they start marching for that, they want to march for something else now. And then march for something else. And it's going to keep marching. It's all evil. It's all leading to more and more evil. And then after that, it goes on, right? The Lord regrets making human beings and that he felt sorry for them that they chose evil instead of a relationship with him. Do you guys understand what's going on now? God has given them mercy. But yet, in spite of that mercy, they continue to go this way and say, no, God, we don't want your mercy. We don't care what you're talking about. You're just flogging. We want to do us. You go do you. I'll holler at you. That's what they were doing, just like some of us do, even in this place today. And God regretted making human beings. He was sorry to make them. Not sorry the fact that he made a mistake because God don't make mistakes. He was sorry at the fact that mankind chose sin rather than his love. Think about that. Do you choose sin rather than God's love? The Lord declares judgment to wipe out all life from the face of the earth. No one finds favor, grace, in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord has Noah build the ark and gave him instructions for animals, and he obeys fully. Noah did everything God commanded him. That was chapter 6. Here's chapter 7. We're on a good pace here. God commands Noah and family and animals into the ark, right? You guys know what the ark is, right? Can we get the picture of the ark up here? Ark, big boat, wooden. Bam, that is the ark. You guys know what I'm talking about now? Because some of y'all are like, what is an ark? Does it fly? Like, dude, does it have music? Like, what kind of music are they playing? This is, this is the ark. This thing was huge. They act, what? It's a boat. You so, girl. This is a boat. You guys, she's with it. This is a boat. It's a big boat. Obviously, a big boat to fit all these animals in, right? So check it out. He tells them, get into this, this boat right here. Bam. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. You guys see what's going on here? Chapter 6 ends with... Noah did everything God commanded. Chapter 7 starts with God commands Noah, family, go into the boat, hurry, get in there. Noah did all the Lord commanded. This man obeyed to the fullest. Two chapters, right? Noah was 600 years old. The man was old. 600 years old when floodwaters came on earth from the springs of the great deep ocean, tsunamis, all type of crazy stuff. Water was coming from everywhere. The Lord shut them up and saved them. Forty days the flood kept coming on the earth. Every living thing on earth literally died. Okay, this is the weird part. Okay? Got to get the boogie. All right? Sorry. That's what it is. If you guys want this napkin, I'm selling it for $5.99. You guys can have it. I'm just playing. <laughs> Some people actually do that. That's another Bible study. So, waters flooded the earth for 150 days. How many days? Okay, I want to make sure you guys are not focusing on this. So, chapter 8, check this out, right? Last chapter, and after that, we're about to get to the real good stuff. God remembers Noah, his family, and all the animals on, on the ark. God sends a wind over the earth to cause the waters to recede. The rain stopped, and the deep closed and receded steadily from the earth. Noah sends out a raven to check out if the waters receded fully. Then he sends out a dove, but the dove came back, indicating the waters hadn't fully uh, receded. He sends out the dove again after seven days, and it returns with a, fresh, a freshly plucked olive leaf. Noah waits seven more days and sends out the dove who never returns, indicating the waters were gone. Dove was like, deuces, I ain't going back to that ship. I'm going this way. Ship, that way. Some of y'all are like, he just said that. Every thought, every everything is just it's evil. It's like, 
Pastor just cursed. Pastor just said something. I said ship. I said, that's just sad. Leaders, you already know to pray for, right? They're over here. There's some over here. Pray for all of them on that side. Over there, too. Oh, my goodness. So, ship. Ship. Y'all probably say that word so much. You're like, dude, he said what I said. He's just like me. No, I'm not. I am not, okay? So, check this out. So, after that, God tells Noah, his family and animals, to come out of the ark that they may multiply on the earth. Basically, get out the ark now. Everybody's dead. We need to repopulate this sucker now. Get out. Here goes some, you know, whatever you need. Take some leaves. Go over here. Eat some oysters. Do what you got to do. Have sex. Have babies. Bam. Reproduce. That's what he's telling him. Legit. Animals and all. He's talking to deers like, y'all too? Fawn, you? Over there. Do your thing. Have babies. Telling them. Let them know. They got to reproduce the earth, right? How many know if I was the last man on earth, I'm running out the ship. Carmen, come over here. It's a bush right over here. Right over here. We having babies right now. It's going down. I'm married. I can do this thing. Some of y'all like, he's a sinner. I'm not a sinner. All right? God gets glory when we do it. What does God get when you do it? Uh, uh. Anyways, check this out. Noah builds an altar and sacrifices unto the Lord. The Lord vows never to curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Every inclination, everything they want to do is evil from childhood. Vows to never destroy all living creatures by reminding us through the changes of seasons. And after that, that's when came uh, winter, summer, spring, fall. It was never like that before. Okay? That came after that. Do you guys believe that? Because she was like, no, it didn't. Yes. Winter, summer, all that came after the flood. You guys get this. Not only that. Let me just, let me just get into the message. Let me just get into this. Because y'all don't believe me and stuff. Do you believe? Do you believe? This happened. This legit happened, right? Check this out. God's judgment. God judges the wickedness of humanity, of the human race. Uh, uh, chapter 6. Verse 7, you can put that up on the screen, please. Look at what happens now. The sons of God intermarry with the daughters of humans, producing more wickedness. You see, the thing is, if you guys don't realize this, man, every Friday, whenever I preach, what is the main thing I talk about? Obviously, I talk about sin, yes. But, right, we talk about what? Boyfriends and girlfriends, right? Some of y'all, you just said that? Hey. So the thing is, right, boyfriends and girlfriends, look at what was the breaking point for God himself. When they began to mess with people that were not God's people. After that, God said, that is enough. My people are not are marrying these people over here, the sinners. That is enough. I'm tired of this. I'm taking the spirit from them, and I'm giving them 120 years to repent. That was the breaking point. It was boyfriends wanting to get it with girlfriends. Girlfriends trying to get with boyfriends. And that's all it was about. And the thing is, that's how the enemy destroys us. We take something that's okay. I was dealing with this with one of my children. I'm not going to say her name. But Aviana was dealing with this stuff. And I was like, girl, listen. And I love her. She, she knows the deal, right? So the thing is, I'm like, listen, baby. And I don't think she realized it. But I'm like, listen, why do you do this, right? Can I use it real fast? Thank you. So the thing is, right? I'm like, why do you do this? You know, she tells me, I don't, I don't look at it the same way. I don't think it's that bad. I'm not really doing nothing that bad, right? But the thing is, this is what the enemy wants us to think. When we look at this scripture, right, put up uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 2. 
please. When you look at this verse, the, look at what they do. Let me tell you. Look at this. The sons of God, meaning the Christians, right? What did they do next? The sons of God did what? They saw. They saw with their eyes. They saw. They're like, wait a minute. Cain's daughters, and that's my half-cousin over there, man. Like, dude, she looking, because they're all like, you know, families at the time. They're like, you know, whatever, right? So he, they saw first. And see, that's what the enemy gets us to do. Right there and then, they were already on the road to destruction because they saw. And they said, man, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm a child of God. We've been kicking it every day, whatever. We're doing our thing. We're going to church. We, you know, we're doing all this other stuff because back in, um, in chapter 4, the last verse, it says, all that time, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. These people were calling. The people of Seth in that good generation was calling upon the name of the Lord. Cain's generation went to another side. What happened was that these little thirsty dudes, right, some of us, you know, be thirsty, right, men of God, like thirsty, sin gets you, you start looking and you start drawing off it, you start sinning. They went on ahead, they must have took a walk. They had to have taken a walk. And they took a walk, they went to intrinsic school, and then they seen this girl. And they're like, oh, right, look at this little white girl right here. You know, I know she's a pastor's daughter, but man, right? And then one thing leads to another. She looks, she bites, bam, it goes from there. After that, God was like, that is enough. I'm judging this now. This is how serious it is because you think, the, you think it's something so small. And the enemy wants you to think that. It's something so small. And that's what he was doing with the sons of God. It's something so small. It's not going to hurt anything. You're not doing anything real bad. Go on ahead and kick it with the sons of the humans, the sinners. Go ahead and kick it with them. It's going to be okay. And the moment they did that, the enemy knew, that is it. I got them. And they started to intermarry. When you marry with other people, what do you end up having? Kids. Now you got a bunch of sinful kids. So now the earth is being populated with more and more sin. That the Bible says every inclination in verse 5, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The reason why it was only evil when every inclination was happening is because they intermarried with sinners. They had kids, little sinful kids, and now we got a whole bunch of little, devil, little devils running around everywhere. And all they want to do is evil and sin. That's what they were. They were like little gremlins just running around everywhere. All I want to do is sin. And God is like, no, I must judge this now. And after that, the Lord regrets making human beings on earth, and his heart is deeply troubled. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. And sometimes we tend to forget that God, we tend to forget that God is a judge God. He will judge. He is a judge. So if you're falling in the hands of an angry God, God have mercy. Because it's an angry God now, not a merciful God now. It's an angry God now. And now he must judge. And see, right now, if he came to judge you, how would he do it? Would it be in love? Would it be in mercy? You know, even though he's going to judge you like that, but would you be found in the hands of an angry God? Because you continue to refuse to honor what God is trying to tell us and trying to do in our lives. And all people, all people had corrupted their ways, and because of them, the earth was violent. Who, because of who? Go to verse, um, go to verse 12. Look at what it said. Who, who caused the earth to be violent and evil? Who caused it according to this verse? Anytime. Keep going. One more. 13, 13. Look at this. 
So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of who? Because of them. Mind you, we started in, in chapter one of Genesis and the evolutionists and all these other little crazy little atheist people or whatever. And they would say, well, you know what? God did it. God created evil. God brought all this other stuff. He allowed all this stuff to happen. But the fact of the matter is it wasn't God. It was people because of people, because of us. We defiled this earth and made it violent. We brought evil into this earth because we fell into the grips of the enemy. That is what happened. It wasn't God's fault. We don't point to God. We point to ourselves and we check our own heart. Why am I doing this? What is wrong with me? God save me. God help me so I can represent you better. So I can be like you. So I can be your son or your daughter that represents not with the mouth but with my heart, God. And then we move on to Noah. And Noah's obedience. We got God's judgment. This is why he was going to judge the, or he judged the earth because of the wickedness of men. They always thought about sin. They always had in their heart to sin. They were corrupted in all their ways. And God said, I must judge them now. And then after that, verse 8. Go to verse 8, please. Yeah. Verse 8. This is right after God says, I am displeased. Right? I'm going to destroy them. Right after that, he says, but Noah, everybody say, but Noah, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It wasn't nothing Noah did. It was the fact, obviously, you know, God, uh, Noah recognized God, honored God. But it wasn't the fact, what I mean is, it wasn't the fact that Noah was perfect, because he wasn't. Because when you go to chapter 9, when they get off the boat, not only is he having sex with his wife, right, which is a good thing, but the man's straight up drunk. He's drinking Coronas. He's drinking a fifth Hennessy. I mean, he's dropping these things down, whatever they had then, right? He's drinking wine galore, whatever, right? He was a drunkard. He was a sinner. But right here, he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That word favor is the same word in Ephesians that, is, that, that describes grace. It was Grace is unmerited favor. It's a free gift. So what happened was that Noah... From everybody else in the whole world, Noah was the only godly man left. And on top of that, he wasn't a perfect man. He was a man that still honored God. And because of that, God said, I found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Not based on what we see. You know what I mean? Like, man, they obviously going to heaven. And then low key, you don't know because they have a mask over their heart. They're really going to hell, but we don't know. But with our own eyes, we think everybody's going to heaven, right? But that's not a reality. But in the eyes of the Lord... He looked at Noah, and even though Noah had his flaws, he said, I'm going to use my grace with you, and through you, I'm going to save the whole world. Through you, because of my grace, through your faith, the whole world is going to be saved. Think about that. After that, after that, then he starts talking about Noah's obedience. So after that, what happens is in, in, uh, from chapter 6, 13 to 7, 5, what happens is Noah's faith led to obedience. But his faith was, efficient, was, was initially uh, operated, or I should say, empowered by God's grace, God's free gift, God's favor, free gift. That God said, I'm going to save you even though you don't deserve saving, but I'm going to save you anyways, and through you, I'm going to save the whole world. See, when Noah heard that, he was like, oh, my goodness, I appreciate that grace. I bow down to that grace. God, I'll do whatever you need me to do. 
But he didn't know after that that God was going to tell him some off-the-wall stuff. And I'll tell you why it's off-the-wall. The first thing that, that, uh, that what happened next was, although no one never seen a boat, right? Put the picture of the boat again. What is it? It's a boat, right? She's got it. She got it. It's a boat. Noah never seen a boat ever in his life. Never. Noah yet believed and obeyed God. Now, mind you this. You don't even know what a boat is, let alone what it looks like. But I come to you and I say, hey, hey, Kayla, this is what's happening. I'm going to have favor on you. I know you all jacked up, but my grace is sufficient. I'm going to use you to save the world. Smile, be happy, praise me. That's awesome, right? But now I need you to build a boat. And you're like, what's a boat? Like, what do you mean a boat? Like, what are you talking about, a boat? Yes, I need you to build a boat, this boat right here, literally this boat right here. I need you to build this boat, and on top of this boat, it's going to be a huge thing. So he's giving him all these dimensions, perfect dimensions, huge boat, right? And in his, you could just think about it. In his mind, he's like, what is a boat? And then on top of that, he tells him, and this is what's going to happen. It's going to rain, and it's going to, you know, all these things are going to happen. It's like, what is rain? He, he never even seen rain. It never rained ever until this point. It never rained. So when I tell you, build a boat, and on top of building a boat, it's going to rain and the boat is going to float. You're going to be like, what is rain? Wait up, Lord. Hold on. What is a boat? What is rain? What is happening here, right? Automatically, we would think that. But what happened was, because of God's grace and mercy and favor, instead of doing that, you know what he did instead? God, I'm going to obey. Whatever you need me to do, even though I don't understand it, even though I don't even know what a boat is, let alone rain coming from the sky, whatever that is, God, I'll do it. Whatever, I'll do it. And what he does, he does it in obedience, full obedience. Although everyone came against Noah, this is the next, the next one, he believed God and remained righteous in his generation. According to uh, 7.1, God tells him that he was a righteous man in his generation. Meaning, and during his time, he was righteous. He was in right standing with God. We have this generation now, the 21st century, whatever you want to call it, right? This is our generation. Are we righteous right now in our generation? Because he was. You see, and despite all that, he continued to be faithful. Mind you, he was a preacher. In the New Testament, they called Noah a preacher of righteousness. So it took 100, about 100 years, probably less than that, to build by himself this big old boat. And on top of that, he's preaching. And he's telling everybody about something they've never seen or never even heard of. Hey, dude, it's about to rain. Ezekiel, it's going to rain. We got to build a boat. Do you want to help me? God's going to save me. Ezekiel's drunk already, so he's like, dude, what is rain and what is a boat? What, you, you know, he probably, they probably threw stuff at Noah, you know, persecuted him. They're like, dude, you're crazy. Shut up. We don't even know what a boat is. You don't even know what a boat is, and you want me to believe in something that you don't even know what it is. God said it, dude. God said it, and that's what's going to happen, or you're all going to die. They didn't listen to him, but yet and still, when everybody else was doing opposite, he still remained faithful and righteous and believed God. Although Noah was alone outside of his family, he believed and obeyed God by preaching. And it talks about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. And then we talked about that already. In faith, Noah obeyed God and got into the boat and his family, and he was saved. He built the boat. And yet he still believed in God. Words does rain. Could you imagine 80 years passed by? And you're, you know, you're making this window in the ark. And like, dude, 
what is this rain? Is it going to rain before that? Like, what is this rain stuff? And you're building all these compartments for giraffes, lions and stuff, little squirrels, you know, from the biggest to the littlest. You're building all these things. And yet, you don't even know what this thing is. And, but you're building it. You don't even know how it's supposed to float. Something that big, you would think will probably sink. Like, dude, what is going to lift up this big old thing I'm, uh, I'm thinking? And he's talking about going to rain. How, what is going to lift this thing up? He doesn't even know what's going on, but yet he continues to hammer nails into the wood to make this boat. He don't know what's going on. Everybody else is against him. He's all alone. 80 years passes by or whatever, and he's still doing his thing, obeying God. Boom, boom, boom. Right? God probably, uh, to this point, God probably didn't talk to him again. He's just still in faith, like, God, I hope you're still there because people think I'm crazy now. They don't even know what I'm building. My children don't know what I'm building. My wife looks at me like I'm crazy. Why am I spending so much time with this wood and this thing that looks like whatever it's supposed to be? What's going on? Everybody's coming against him, and yet he's still hammering nails into this boat. And he believes that this boat is going to save him and his family. Only that boat. Only that ark. And he keeps on going. And it keeps on going. And see, what does that have to do with us? God's judgment. God will judge the wickedness of, hu of the human race again. You see, I believe, just like in, in, the, in the genealogy of chapter 5, that God was pointing to the Savior. And he was pointing to the Savior through that genealogy. But right after that, he wipes out everybody from the face of the earth. But yet, in this day and age, you have people preaching. You have people bald-headed up here sweating, preaching. And telling you, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to judge this earth again. And the Bible says he's going to judge it not with water, but with fire. And the question is, what side of the cross are we going to be on? Are we going to be on the side that's on fire? Because those individuals will be going to hell. Or are we going to be on the side that goes to heaven and sings glory in heaven? Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you for your sacrifice, God. What side are we going to be on? Because God is coming back to judge the world according to 2 Peter 3, 5, and 7. If we can put that up there real fast. Because I want you guys to know this. I want you guys to see this. Because the thing is, the devil's not going to tell you, hey, you're going to burn. No. He's going to tell you, hey, you're going to have a good time. Hey, you can give your life to Jesus when you're 30, even though you don't even know you're going to make it to 30. Hey, you can do it until you're 18, even though you don't know you're going to make it to 18. It says, by they deliberately, uh, but they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world at that time was deluged and destroyed by the same word, the word from God. That said, let the rains come, let the waters come together, come out of the oceans and flood the world and kill everybody. By that same word, God is going to say, by the same word, present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. And on that day, he's going to say, fire, come down. And it's going to burn the whole earth just like the flood came and flooded everybody. It's going to burn everything. God's judgment is going to come again. Will you be ready? Will you be ready or will you still be trying to use your silver tongue to talk a good game, say you're a Christian, talk all this stuff, but yet never, you were never able to see it. We're never able to say, yes, they're a Christian because I can see it. Their lives are changed. They're not only talking the talk, but they're walking the walk. Will we see that? 
Will God see that? And see, we must be willing to have faith in the Lord and obey even though we do not see or understand. You see, we can't even picture the earth, the whole earth burning on fire, people dying, people screaming, people probably even still cursing God's name. Still, because I'm sure when that flood came, people were, the Bible said they were still marrying. And Matthew, uh, Jesus said they were still marrying and giving to marriage. They were still drinking, right? This day, this day and age, people are still going to be smoking blunts, right? Still trying to abort babies, still marrying, still trying to, you know, partake in homosexuality and do all these other things, still listening to the same garbage music that pollutes their mind and their heart, still doing the same thing. And when the fire comes, it's going to catch them off guard, and they're going to be like, no, and it's too late. Because at that time, the fire will continue to burn every single thing on this earth and every single person other than the people of God. And the next one is we must be willing to remain in right standing with God even though we are alone in doing so in our generation. You see, this is really important, man, because I pray for you youth. I kid you not, I pray for you guys. I pray for you guys on a daily. I pray for my leaders. I pray for myself. And the prayer is God help them in this generation. Because we're always so worried about what the next man thinks about us, what the next girl says about us. We're always worrying about our image and our outer expressions and how people are going to look at us. We're worried about it so much that we dare not say the name of Jesus. We dare not bring up that on Fridays we go to Elevate Church. We dare not bring that up in our cafeterias. We dare not stand on God when the teacher talks about homosexuality and says the Bible's a lie. We dare not say nothing because we will be standing alone. But yet Noah was standing alone and preached the gospel about something he didn't even know about. He preached Jesus and he preached God and righteousness. And yet he didn't know nothing about rain, nothing about a boat, nothing about what he was building. But he preached it because he believed that God said and will do what he said he will do. And the question is, do you believe it like that? Because that is real Christianity. That is real salvation. That it no matter who stands up with you, don't matter what armor you have on your left, what armor you have on your right, or for that matter, who is at your right or who is at your left. It doesn't matter who's standing with you. If I'm by myself, I'm going to stand. I believe in Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. If you don't get him, you will perish and go to hell. That is the truth. Your best friend right now, if he's not saved, and if he dies, he'd go to hell. And you're sitting in this church like it's okay. Like it's okay. Some of us in this room, you're faking it till you make it, and you think it's okay until that time comes, and it's over with. And after that, you're not getting another chance. It's done. Judgment has been stamped. It's been set. Send them to the lake of fire. That is what will happen if we continue to fake it till we make it. And then the next one is we must be willing to obey God and preach the gospel to others that they may be saved. See, I don't know about you guys, man. But I know when God saved me, 1999, I was in a county jail facing 40 years at 85% for first-degree attempt murder. See, I don't know about you guys. God saved me and delivered me, and I couldn't hold that stuff in. I had to tell it to everybody. It didn't matter if I was alone. It didn't matter how big the guy I was. A little scrawny guy weighed about 145 pounds. And I remember the first day God told me to preach, and I was around murderers. These dudes were like bone crushers, man. 
fool walking around and stuff. They had all these little scary faces or whatever. I was just 18 years old. And yet God said, stand up and preach. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. By myself, ain't nobody with me. God, you could at least send one of these big guys with me, help me. Like, I'm by myself, 145 pounds. They pick me up, throw me over here. I'm not doing that. And God said, preach. And I kid you not, I could not remove it. I literally stood up. On top, they had benches inside there, man. About 200 people inside this thing. I kid you, there was more people in there than people in here. My little cell, I wasn't like this now. I, can I get your attention? And I kid you not, the moment I did that, right, I had a little squeaky voice and stuff. I wasn't fully grown, 18, going through purity, whatever, right? Can I get your attention? And I kid you not, by the grace of God, I'm going to tell you guys, you guys think that, oh, man, they're going to talk about me. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm just a little person. I'm just a little skinny girl, whatever, weighing about 80 pounds. It don't matter. I'm going to tell you what happened that day and the days even after that. That day, the moment I opened my mouth as I stand here today, God spoke through me. Every single person was quiet. The moment I said, can I get your attention? Bam! Silence hit every single person in there. Everyone, the bone crushers, everybody, shut up, and they looked at my little self. And it was like God was in there, and I, I heard my little voice, but they must have heard somebody else's voice. Because after that, everybody shut up. I preached the gospel. But I said, man, if you don't repent, you will go to hell. Today, you must repent. And you know what they did? I said, if anybody wants to receive Jesus, I'm a little dude. I'm, I'm rocking a little bench and stuff, ready to fall. I'm just like, hey, if anybody wants to receive Jesus, get him in your life today. Please raise your hand. I'll pray for you. People raised their hand. Big dudes raised their hand. I said, if that's you, come this way. People received Jesus Christ that day and days after that by the hundreds because I didn't trust in myself. I trust in the one that I knew who was living inside of me. I trust in his sovereignty. I trust in his authority. I trust in his love. I trust in his holiness, his righteousness, and I trust in the fact that in his judgment. That if I don't preach, these people will go to hell and it will be my fault. Will your best friend go to hell and would it be your fault? Would they be yelling in there? Nate, why didn't you tell me, Nate? Why didn't you tell me about this place? Why didn't you say anything to me? Why? Why didn't you tell me about this place? You go to church every single Friday and you never told me about Jesus and now I'm burning because of you. The Bible says their blood will be on our hands. They will be stained on our hands, the blood of your best friends, the blood of your mom, the blood of your dad, the blood of your brothers and sisters, your family members who you claim to love will be in hell because you're afraid to open up your mouth because you're worrying about little Flocko over here, or, you know what I mean, little K-Ron over here or something, right? Little Duke over here, whatever they call it, little goofy name. You worried about him or you worried about her. When that same person, when they die, they're going straight to hell. This is what the word of God is saying. And there's only one way to heaven. And that is through the ark. And the ark is Jesus Christ. You see, we must be willing to obey God in faith and get into the boat to be saved. And that boat is Jesus. If I can get Stephanie up here. You see, guys, God was trying to tell us the blueprint right from the beginning. He's trying to tell us from the beginning and they used the flood. 
And now he's saying in his word that he's going to destroy the earth with fire. Just like he did with the flood. And just like in the flood, he was already telling us generations and generations before, this will happen again. And the only way to go to heaven, you must get in the boat. You must get into the ark. You must have faith in me and let me shut you in to the ark because that's what he did with Noah. It was only eight people that survived. Out of all those human beings, eight people survived. That's it. Eight people. And the Bible said that God shut them in the ark, meaning nobody can take them out. Nobody can break open that door. Nobody can just wipe them out. No, they were in God's hands now. And see, that ark represents Jesus Christ. He is the one who took the wood on his back, and he stood up there, and he was crucified for us, for us, for every person in here. But yet we come on Fridays, and we fake it till we make it. We fake it as though somebody didn't really die on this cross. If we could put the crucifix up here, the, you know, the, the Jesus, you know, you know, I'm talking about the picture. We come to church Sundays, Fridays, we're at the, you know, at the crib, whatever, and we may think about Jesus or whatever. And after that, we just put it in the back of our head, and we continue to fake it till we make it running around like, dude, I'm good. And then you come on Friday, you get people high five like, dude, I'm doing good. Yes, dude, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. And the whole time, you have a mask over your heart, and you're lying. You're lying. You're faking it until you make it. As though destruction is not coming. As though it's not real. If he did it before, do you not think he would do it again? He said he's going to do it again in fire. And see, it's on us. I can't make you, if y'all can stand up real fast, I can't make you guys be real. All I can do is tell you that God is looking with his eyes, man. And see, his eyes have this special thing that he has x-ray vision. He can see right through you. And what we need to ask ourselves, man, are we real disciples of God? And if we are real, and if we believe the way we claim to speak it out every Friday or when we talk like, dude, how you doing? Dude, I'm blessed. How you I'm good, man. I'm doing real good. I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing this. And you know you're not doing it. Like, dude, you just seen somebody else reading their Bible. You know you ain't read your Bible. You ain't even praying. You're just playing church. You're playing make-believe. And today, God is saying, children, I plead with you in mercy, in mercy, to give your life to me and let me save you. Come into this boat that his name is Jesus Christ. Come into the boat and be saved. Stop playing games because Noah's people, they thought Noah was playing make-believe. Could you imagine that he's sitting there looking at Noah like, look at this dummy. He's building this boat thing. It looks like a butt. You know what I mean? Like, like what is he doing? Stupid dude. Out of here, man. Pass me that stuff, man. Let me drink. And they still getting drunk. They still getting high. And yet today we're doing the same thing today. Same thing. Look at this dumb preacher. You up there sweating, tight old shirt. Look at him. Preaching Jesus and stuff. Trying to say I'm faking it to them, man. I ain't gotta tell him nothing. 
You don't have to tell me nothing. God knows it all, man. I'm not here representing me. I'm here representing the one who saved me. And that's Jesus Christ. And only you can make it right at this altar, man. At this altar, you can make it right. You can be real with God. I don't care how much you've been faking it. I don't care how much you've been lying. I don't care. God didn't care about that. He wants you to come up here and just tell him, hey, forgive me, God. And he wants to make it right. Listen, he wants to make it right. When a person falls off into sin and they come back to God, do you think God tells them, dude, Lawrence, you little dummy, you messed up now. You messed up. Yeah, we need to talk about that sin. Yeah, we need to talk about it. No, he doesn't. According to the word of God, the prodigal son, when he came back home, to his father, after he sinned and all that stuff, the prodigal son represents Jesus Christ. When, the, when he seen his son, his sinful son, he just took all my money and spent it on prostitutes and sin, he ran to him. Literally, ran to his son, who thought he thought was dead and now is alive, ran to him and hugged him. I can see the father kissing him all over his face. Son, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. And the first thing the son tries to say is, Father, I want to ask for forgiveness. I want I sin again. I don't want to hear that right now. I just want to love on you. Come, let's have a party together. You were dead and now you were alive. Some of us in this room, you are dead. And now you can become alive in Jesus Christ. You're dead right now. You're walking dead. And God's like, let me make you alive. Come into the boat. The door is still open. Come in and let my son Jesus save you. Let me make your heart real, transparent unto me. Let me deal with that pornography. Let me deal with that girlfriend. Let me deal with that boyfriend. Let me deal with that weed habit you got. Let me deal with these things. You have you dealing with sex? Let me deal with these things. Self-pleasure? Let me deal with these things. You're disrespectful to your parents? Let me deal with these things. You have a broken heart? I'll give you a new heart. You have ashes? Give me your ashes. I'll give you beauty. I'll give you these things. But you have to want it. You got to want it. You, you, you got to want it. You got to want it. When you continue to fake it, until that time comes when he, when he says, get into the boat, hurry, get into the boat, and he shuts them in. Nobody can come out or go in. You're stuck. Could you imagine the people that are close by the boat? They were this close to being saved. This close. They're banging on the boat. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. There's no way out. There's no way in. Let me in. Noah. Noah. Let me in. Psh, the water comes. That close to being saved. You guys are three feet from being saved. Three feet. And all you got to do is take three steps and say, Jesus, I'm tired of faking it. I'm tired of being somebody that I'm not. God, I want you in my life. That's simple. And watch how God will wipe every tear from your eye. Watch how God will hug you and love on you. But you got to do it. You got to close your eyes. Bow your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, you have spoke, God. Your will was done in this place, God. Truth was spoken. I was preached out today. And I pray now, God you would have your way, God, that you would deal with every heart in this place, God. Every heart in this place in the name of Jesus. God, let no heart leave, God, that is faking it and trying to make it, God. 
Let no person leave, God, without dealing with their sin at the cross of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, have mercy. Let mercy reign in this place and not judgment, God. Mercy. Not judgment, God. Love and grace. Not judgment, God. Have your way in this place, God. Touch every girl. Touch every guy, God. Be the father to the fatherless, God, in the name of Jesus. Be sovereign. Be the authority. Be love. Be holiness. Be the judge, Lord, and make us obedient by your grace through our faith, God, in Jesus' name. I pray, God, touch every heart, every person in this place, God. And, Lord, I pray right now, God, touch my heart, God. God, if you came, you're going to destroy the whole earth, God. I pray that, God, you will find me favor, God. You will find me in obedience, that you can use me to save others, God. And I pray the same for them, God. Lord, that if you came and you were looking for people that you can move and work in to save others, God, that you would find some in this place tonight, God, who would say, Lord, use me, God. Forgive me of my unfaithfulness. Forgive me of my sin. Have mercy on me, God. Use me, God. Find me in favor of your grace, God. In the name of Jesus, God, start with me, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, God. Have mercy, God. Have mercy, God, in the name of Jesus. Have mercy in this generation, God, that every inclination is evil, God. People are marching to kill babies, God, in the womb. People are marching for homosexuality. They're marching for sin, God. Have mercy, Jesus, on this generation. And God, let us be faithful in our generation to preach your word in our high schools, in our homes. God, everywhere we go on the streets, God, as you lead us, that we will say, God, send us, God. And Lord, forgive us, God, if we have been faking it to make it, God. Have mercy on us, Abba, Father. And use us, God, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, take every insecurity. Take my dreams, take my hopes, take my aspirations, my future, God. I put it in your hands. And God, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, God. I trust your sovereignty. I trust you, God. I trust your authority. I trust your love, that you love me. You don't mean harm for me, God. I trust your holiness, God, that you would always do the right thing, God. I trust that you would judge, God, and because of that, God, I repent, God, and I choose to trust you, and I choose to speak to others because you would judge them as well. And, God, I trust, God, that you honor obedience, and I lay down my life right now to you. God, I give it to you, God. And I stand in the boat of Jesus Christ. I stand in Christ for my salvation, God, in the name of Jesus. Have your way in this place, God, in Jesus' name. And if it's anybody out there, guy or girl, leader, I don't care who you are, what you've been dealing with, I don't care where you're from, who your daddy is, it don't make a difference. If God has been speaking to you the whole time, I beg you, I plead with you, come up here. And let God deal with you at this altar. If you've been faking it to make it, come at this altar and ask God to forgive you. Whoever you are, 
Come up here and let God deal with you. Don't run from it. Don't think that his judgment is not going to come. According to the Bible, he will judge sin. He will judge you. I'd rather be found in his mercy than in his judgment. I'd rather him come in mercy than be too late. And he's coming in judgment. And he destroys us. He destroys me. He destroys you. If that is you and you want to give your life to Jesus, come. Don't let your friend on the left tell you what to do or intimidate you or have you change your mind or get you scared. Don't let the person on your right do the same. You come up here. You let God deal with your life, whoever you are, whoever you are. And if it's anything else, this is the time right now. It's between you and God the Father. It's between you and Jesus right now. This is the time. To deal with you. Do you believe? Do you believe that God is all these things? Do you believe that God will do this? It's according to this Bible, He will. Be found in His mercy, not in His judgment. Right now, you have an opportunity to judge yourself and say, God, I'm bogus. I judge myself. I'm bogus, God. And in your mercy, forgive me. Judge yourself rather than be judged or found in God's judgment and his wrath. Be found in his mercy, what is given right now. His mercy. His mercy. Stephanie, whatever you want to pray in your heart. The altars are open for whoever wants to come. Give your life to Jesus. Deal with yourself. Whatever it is between you and God right now. Let God have his way. Amen.